Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, on the Blue Wire Podcast, brought to you by TickPick.com, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash breakdown, where you can go take advantage of $10 off your first ticket order if you're going to watch the Browns play the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Take advantage of that again. It's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash breakdown. $10 off your first order. So the news in the Browns realm, a couple different things today. Uh, David Njoku uh, lands on COVID-19 list. I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. We'll see. TJ Watt got off the list, but he went on Monday, got off in time to play Sunday. I don't know if that will be the case for Njoku. Obviously, huge news for the Browns, who are already limited in weapons in the passing game. It has huge ramifications, obviously, due to Harrison Bryant's uh, left ankle high ankle sprain, which puts the Browns in a precocious situation as it is, thought they could get by with 12 personnel. But if you start saying only one tight end gets dangerous. So they did bring up off the practice squad, Alabama's Miller Forrestal, who's been around for a little bit, posted some clips of him. If you search on Twitter, you can find some of his clips as preseason time with uh, Tennessee. You can find some of his work with uh, Alabama, obviously where he was decent decent enough to hang around the NFL. Don't think he's going to impact the game much, but if they need a second tight end to put on the field, they obviously have that answer. Should they want to do so? I don't know how they adjust the game plan. Maybe Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt find the field together. Maybe they use 11 personnel a ton in the game. I'm not sure. Maybe David gets back in time. We'll keep our eye on that. Charlie Hewlett came off the injured reserve COVID list. He's off, so he's ready to go. They don't have to use Mac Wilson as a backup long snapper. Wanted to put that out there and clarify that. The Browns did give uh, the opportunity for Grant Delpit to be voted the Ed Block Courage Award for his recovery and, and, and trip back from the um, you know Achilles injury that he had. So that's really it. Um, those are the updated pieces of information from a slow day of news, but the David Njoku news is big, just largely because it limits changes you know, hampers what they want to be on offense. And I don't know, maybe this is the type of change they need. Maybe they need an uptick in 11 personnel. I don't know if they have the wide receivers to get it done, but that could force them to use Felton, could force them to use Chubb and Hunt together. I don't know. Creativity is an option. They do have a week to plan for this. This isn't a late week situation, which as we all know, can be so damaging to a game plan that you put in. We'll see what they do. There are options on the table. Definitely don't like playing without Njoku. Maybe he makes his way back. Not totally sure. But it's another wrench in a weird season. We'll see if they can overcome it. They have to figure out a way to put points on the board. Uh, You know, with the Ravens losing Marlon Humphrey, they'll have a chance to put points on the board. How they come out of this? Again, compelling, interesting backs against the wall. As big a game as they've had all season. Largely because teams have lost and let them hang around. But a huge game nonetheless. Now we have a fun interview with ESPN's Jake Trotter. Where we cover everything. I think it's a good one. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let's get over to that right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcoming in ESPN's Jake Trotter. Jake, how are you? What's up, Jake? Uh, not much, not much. Trying to figure out how these Browns win some football games in the year. As weird as it is, let me ask you this. Has it, this could just be me, but has it felt like the season has ended on several different occasions, but then you look up after the Monday night football game and see it's really not crazy for the Browns to not only make the playoffs, but make a real run at the division still. I just like, is it, does, does it feel weird to say that they've had a chance to resurrect this thing like five times now? Yeah, I have never felt like that the season was over, despite some of these losses, uh, as puzzling as some of them have been. And it is crazy. If the Browns can just score, like, two touchdowns in Baltimore instead of one, they are leading the AFC North, I believe, as of today. And yet it feels like this has been a massively disappointing season. Uh, But because of the parity within their division, they still have a chance here to – make the playoffs and possibly still win the division. Now, I don't know if they're going to go out and do it because the track record is the track record this season, but mathematically they're still very much alive and they got a lot of help this past weekend. Let me, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll focus. You obviously hinted about the offense there and I think that's the thing everybody's trying to figure out. What is the path to getting this thing figured out? I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you is it's we'll start with Kevin Stefanski. Is it is it any different than year one in your opinion? And they're just the things aren't clicking. The production execution isn't there. Or in your opinion, would they be better served by letting Kevin service the whole group? The, the maybe on game day and in preparation, sort of overseeing everything and letting Alex maybe call plays on game day. I'm open to any solution people think is right. I've just sort of noticed that there's been a huge shift of blame when this has gone wrong, which it's gone wrong a lot in the last half of the season here with the offense. Do you feel like Kevin is still giving them the best chance to win football games, or do you think they'd be served from a different voice calling plays on game day? Yeah, and it's it's an interesting question. I think a lot of times when – it's difficult to figure out what is going on with this team, given the potential and talent that they have, given what they showed last year. You know, we sort of look for answers everywhere. Well, maybe, maybe it's the, maybe they should play Case Keenum. You know, maybe they should let Alex Van Pelt call the plays. Like who knows if that, you know, any of those 
would make a positive difference, you know, in some cases maybe make a negative difference. Uh, and I think Alex Van Pelt would be just fine calling plays. We saw that in the Pittsburgh game last year. I think he's going to be a play caller here pretty soon. If, if it's not in Cleveland, uh, maybe somewhere else, because I, I think he has that ability. But to me, I mean, you look at what they were able to do last season and, and what they have been unable to do this season, despite basically having the exact same personnel and team. I think it comes down to the former of what you described. And it's just, the execution is not there. The mistakes are there in key moments. And there's just a lack of cohesiveness that's, you know, injuries I think have been a part of it to be sure, but, you know, it goes beyond that. And, you know, I was watching, I don't know if you saw it or not, Jake, you probably did, you know, because you're really into the X's and O's, but, you know, Kurt Warner did a breakdown of the, the Browns first half and like, is, is this Baker Mayfield's fault or is there, is there something else going on here? And, and you just kind of watch it slowly play by play. And it's, it's just one guy maybe running the wrong route or it's one guy, you know, not making a catch in a big moment. You think about that DPJ, uh, you know, across the middle of the field, you know, Baker off play action rollout comes back across and he has a Joko wide open, but, you know, DPJ catches the ball there. It's probably seven, nothing Cleveland eventually on that drive because they were going to be first and goal at that point. And, and now you got, you know, Nick Chubb back and, you know, you just watch the entire first half. And I think, you know, Baker's mistakes maybe magnify uh, the way he's playing, you know, the, the, the screen pass, but he's also just not getting as much help as he did last year. And I, you know, I come away, walk, you know, rewatching that first half and the entire game. Maybe I'm insane, but optimistic that there is a path for them to turn this around. I don't necessarily think that they, I don't think it's most likely that they will uh, because it's so late in the season, but there are plays there to be made. I mean, when Baker Mayfield says that, he he's right. And they're just not making them. The question is, after a week of self-scouting and making whatever adjustments they think they need to make in terms of personnel or scheme or, or groupings, whatever, um, that, that, that they can finally find a group. Now, they did that last year after the bye week. I mean, they were an awesome offense after the bye last year. But – I think that while that, that capacity is there for them to do it again, the question is, is it too late in the season? And I mean, I, I actually do think that whatever happens Sunday is going to tell us a lot. And if they lose Sunday and the offense you know, scores 14 points or 17 points, I, I feel very confident at that point saying they're done because even after the buy, you know, the, the opportunity to self scout, if that's what you come out there and fire out, then we kind of know who you are at this point. And we probably already do, but I do think there's a window of opportunity for this offense to turn it around. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but that's kind of the way I feel right now. Yeah, I certainly think that echoing a lot of what you just said there is true. They're leaving plays on the field. And the frustrating thing is is it's been all year where it, you, it'd be so much simpler if you could blame it on one person, one thing. But it really isn't. It's, you know, they'll have a nice string of plays and then maybe Kevin will call a play with Jarvis Landry at quarterback and you're like, okay, why did they do that? That probably wasn't a great time to do that. The next drive, they'll miss a couple throws. Then they'll drop a couple or they'll miss a block and the quarterback doesn't have time to see it. So that synchronization of things 
is probably the most frustrating thing for an offense because you you see plays on film that are right there, but just one of your 11 is breaking down. I think, like I said, it's so much easier to pinpoint and blame one person and think about, okay, if we fix that spot, we can be better. But if you have many different things, if you fail on 11 of 65 plays, on those 11 plays, you could have had big plays. You could have kept a drive going, could have scored a touchdown, like you said, on the Donovan Peoples-Jones throw or been close to it. It just starts to add up, and that's the razor-thin margin that I think exists in the NFL. And if you're not all on the same page, whatever form that might be, dropping a pass, incomplete, illegal formations, um, holding calls, it just it, it starts to add up. But like you said, they can still rectify this. And I do think you're you're right in the fact that if they just can synchronize, which is easy for a guy behind a microphone like me to say, they can actually put points on the board because the talent is still there. I know they're going to be a little tied up without their third tight end they love to run, but this, there's enough talent still there. I do want to ask you about Baker because you've covered him longer than anybody. It, it, it's just, I guess my question, Jake, is how how big do you think uh, – it? I, I, let me backtrack here. I think it's been a little interesting how we've heard reports that he's he's as beat up as he's ever been, and then by the end of the week it's like a report that he's feeling better than he's ever felt. It's been very close – uh, sort of conflicting reports about this. What vibe do you get about his level of health? And and have you felt like watching him this year? You know, whatever it is, he, he's he's missing some throws, I think, that he's traditionally made, at least he made last year. Do you get the feeling that this is a little bit of who Baker is? Or do you think the injuries are are genuinely impacting him to the point that he's just he's just barely getting through the year? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, Jake, let me make one point before we get to Baker uh, about the play calling and the identity of the offense real quick. I was, you know, thinking about while you were talking. And, I mean, I think this is the one criticism I would have of Kevin. It feels like when they don't make a play, when they drop a pass or they overthrow a pass or they miss a block, whatever, you know, he seems to maybe press a little bit more as a play caller than, than he did last year. And so we're not seeing Nick Chubb as much, and we're seeing the weird Jarvis play. You, you agree with that? I mean, I, I feel like at times they just sort of lose their identity offensively, which was so firm last year, week to week. You knew what you were going to get from the offense. And this week, uh, or, or I'm sorry, this season, you, you look at the Baltimore game and, you know, Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb have, what, 15 carries combined in a game that was sort of all about field position in a way. I mean, it's just – and, and, and I, I feel like, okay, they're stacking the box, so we got to throw it every time. Um, you know, they're not dictating as much as they did last year. And so I wonder if coming I – I wonder coming out of the bye if they, they recalibrate to, to rediscovering that identity. And, like, we don't, we don't care what you're doing. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to run Nick Chubb. We're, we're going to run Kareem Hunt. We're going to win this game in the fourth quarter. We're going to get in some more third and twos. Because it feels like 
I haven't done the, the statistics on it because I, I just it'll take too much time. But I wonder how many third and eights they've been in this year compared to last year. It feels like a lot. And so they they got to get back to doing what they do best and not worrying about, um, you know, what the defense so much or what's happened early in the game offensively and, and trying to make up for points that you left on the board. That That's that's something else I was kind of, I, you know, rewatching the Ravens game I, I felt like might have been the case. And I, I think they – that's why there's a little bit more angst with the fan base in terms of whether Tevin calls plays or not. You you agree with all that? Yeah, no, I do. I think that as players talk all the time about pressing, you know, trying to do too much or trying to to overreach what you should instead of focusing on doing your job, you're trying to be the reason that the play is made or whatever and you feel too much pressure. I do think that there is from a play caller's perspective a lot of the same feelings. When things aren't going how you anticipated they would go, maybe you've missed some early opportunities. Maybe I need to call this trick play here or put Jarvis back there at quarterback and try to capture this win. You know, you're probably just as good off running Nick Chubb or, or giving Kareem a couple carries or play actioning off of it. I do think that Kevin has felt the pressure of a failing offense and has tried to overreach what is necessary because it's natural. Right. It's natural to, to try. I can fix this. I can do it. I can call the perfect play here. I'll get us through this. It's the same. I would genuinely think it's the same feeling that Baker probably has about making certain throws on the field. It's you're trying to make a 10 point throw instead of just trying to get a first down and you, everybody starts to press when you're, it's in any sport, you know, it's like basketball teams want to make up a 20 point deficit with one possession. You can't do it. You got to chip away. I think the chip away theory is probably best for them. Just trying to get positive plays instead of trying to call the perfect play or hit a home run throw. Just take what's there, you know, provided what's going on within any given scheme and, and chip away at this thing. And I think the big plays come more organically that way, if that makes sense. So I do think you're onto something that's right there for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can elaborate on Baker a little bit if you want. Now, I, I'm just curious, you know, I always lean on you because you've seen him been around him for longer than anybody here in Cleveland has covered him. So I didn't know your vibe of him sort of where his head is. And if you think he can flip the script here in the last four or five weeks. Yeah, I'm very fascinated to see what kind of version of Baker we get coming out of the bye. I know he was back in Austin uh, during the, the open week, actually watched his high school alma mater in the playoffs. Uh, so so maybe, you know, gets away for a little bit can give him a chance to uh, recalibrate himself. And, I mean, the way I would describe Baker, my observation this season, is just doesn't seem like he's having a lot of fun. You know, very frustrated, uh, you know, and, and I think that's on the field. It seems like it's that way, a little bit off the field. Um, you know, don't don't be mistaken. I, th- I think the Odell situation definitely had an impact on him. Don't be mistaken. You know, lack of a contract, I think, has had an impact on him, contract extension. And so I just – I think all of these, these things are coming together. You know, he's not playing well. He's injured. Uh, he's in pain uh, or has been at least at different times this season. And it's just not ha- – you're not having fun. And the best version of Baker is the Baker out there – you know, with the swagger and the bravado and the confidence and the energy that everybody feeds off of. And we just, we're not, we're not getting that like we did last year or like we did in 2018. And so, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit better. And I think if he could just start playing 
like he did last year down the stretch, like that could begin to snowball in a positive way. But he just has not been able to sustain any kind of momentum week to week. And you know, I thought this was a problem in 2019. They got overlooked a little bit. Um, and, it, and it's better now because, they, you know, they have more veterans. They have, I think, a better locker room than they did in 2019. But Baker is the, you know, he is the tone setter for this team. And when he throws a pick on your second series, you can just kind of feel the energy get sapped out of the, the, the balloon. Um, that was definitely felt that way in New England. And, you know, conversely, when he's playing well and he's running around and talking trash, you can feel the team uh, feed off that as well. And so if they could just put something together and get it going, I mean, I think it would have a very – I don't want to say healing, but uh, galvanizing effect on the rest of this team. And, and, and so, you know, I, I think this, the rest of the season is probably going to be based on how Baker plays. If he plays well, really well, they have a chance. If he plays the way he has been, he's not having fun, then they're probably going to finish, you know, eight and nine or whatever. And um, we have a lot of question marks in the off season. So I, I, very curious to see how he plays. He's got to be healthier than he's been since week two. You know, he kind of said he settled into the new normal with the, the shoulder. I don't know how much that's really bothering him anymore. It looks like his leg injuries are, are better. So, you know, let's, let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. And um, I think this is a really important stretch for Baker, maybe not even necessarily for this season, but just his tenure in Cleveland. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy that – the point you're making is is something that I you know I, I probably don't think enough of, which is the fun aspect. I think Baker is infinitely better when he's having fun. However, that fun arrives, he's 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 a better player when he's feeling that way. And the injuries might have zapped that out of him because he doesn't feel like he can be himself. Many things at play there, um, but also too like the tone setting element you talked about as well is. It's probably spot on. I think when he's accurate and he's playing well, they do play better. And you, the, the early interceptions are tough. They're tough for them to overcome. And you can start to feel the defense, too, start to, all right, we're back up again, third down. we got to get back on the field. There's just some of that happening where it's not it's not complimentary football, and Baker leads that side of the football, and it all starts to – it all starts to bottle up at some point. So if they could put some drives together, and, 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 and I think it does shift the narrative of everything. And as tough as this whole season has been, if they your point there about the last five weeks here, if they he plays well specifically and goes into the playoffs and plays well, you forget about a lot of this stuff from earlier in the year. So everything's in front of them. I want to shift real quick to defense before I let you go. I read an interesting article from Robert Mays on the ringer about Vance Joseph and the value of the third year and what they're doing in Arizona because of continuity and in an NFL where people want to throw guys out of the, you know, a coordinator position so fast. We saw like Joe Brady, who was the, he was the it guy as an offensive coordinator. He's fired two years into Carolina tenure. It's like, I guess where I shifted with Joe Woods is I think we've seen the defense take some really nice steps. We've seen them struggle. We've seen LA. We've seen, you know, we've seen obviously what happened in New England. But I do get the vibe that they're starting to know exactly where they're supposed to be and the communication is cleaning itself up. He's started to go away from quarters and into more cover three and drop coverage to get his guys in better positions, less thinking. 
And I do think that a lot of people were convinced that Joe Woods was going to be rolled out of here at some point going into next year, whether it was in season or at the end of the year. Just a lot of stuff has happened there. But you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but it feels like the defense is hitting its stride with some of the young core that they have. And a third year could be really good to stick with the continuity of this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the defense was going to have some rough moments early on this season for, for the reasons you laid out. I mean, you're going to have a lot of new pieces. Uh, you're going to have a lot of new pieces coming in. You know, it's just Joe Woods' second season. Uh, you know, they, they have, what, like eight, nine new starters defensively in, in the season opener. So I thought that first month of the season, first month and a half, uh, month, month and a half of the season, there was going to be, you know, the, 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 the Chargers game, the Arizona game. And then what surprised me is it kind of kept happening, you know, where they would play really well one week and then – they'd go to New England and just get absolutely KO'd. And so we'll see, you know, like I don't think shutting down Detroit is anything to write home about, but the Baltimore performance was really impressive, especially the plays they made on the ball, which had kind of been an Achilles heel before that point, before that game. Uh, So let's see how they come out and play against, you know, Baltimore, Vegas, and Green Bay. And, you know, if they continue to play that way, uh, then, then you feel really good about uh, the defense this season, but also Joe Woods and, and the core of this group long term. So, um, you know, I want to see just a little bit more consistency. And, you know, the last two, uh, last two performances have definitely been encouraging. And, but they have the potential to play the way that they have at times this year. And I think – uh, the only thing that's been alarming is like they'll just every three games give up 40 something to somebody. And the great defenses just don't do that as much as the Browns have done. So uh, I, I, I have been encouraged. I, I think that this is probably more, the Baltimore game is closer to who they are than the, than the new England game. Um, but, but let's see them do it a little bit more consistently coming out of the bye. Yeah. Huge finish for the defense too. All right, Jake, before we let you go, what do you got the rest of the way? How do you think they finish? <laughs> on the spot. Right I mean, I, I, yeah, I, again, I kind of think they're going to play well coming out of the bye offensively. Um, but I, I just think at this point, uh, they, they've got too many teams in front of them and too much ground to make up. And, and I think they're going to end up missing the playoffs either by a game or by like a tiebreaker. So kind of feels like nine and eight is where, uh, they're going to end up. You know, you could you know, the Green Bay game is going to be really difficult, and then you know going to Pittsburgh on Monday Monday night for Big Ben's last game, that's tough. Cincinnati's dangerous. I mean, we saw Vegas, you know, on Thanksgiving they're capable. So, um, yeah, it feels it feels like I feel like they'll play better. I feel like they're going to finish nine and eight, and just miss the playoffs, and we're going to go into a really weird off season where they're going to have to figure out what direction they want to go in a lot of different ways. I think you're right. It's probably headed down that path. Some good, some bad to close the year, but we'll probably look back and think about some of the opportunities that they missed uh, in, a, in, a, in a weird season, in a weird AFC North. It's a, it's a really weird division where I'm not sure if any team is all too good. So anyway, Jake, thanks for your time, man. I know listeners of this pod always love to hear from you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining today's episode, guys. That's a wrap. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Support of the OBR is always greatly appreciated as well. Whether Twitch, the website, or this podcast, I cannot thank you enough. 
we will be back with one more uh, fun episode this week with another great guest, well-known in the Cleveland community. And then we will do a Ravens preview by the end of the week, perhaps later in the week uh, as well, just to let to let sort of everything unfold with this uh, this matchup and, and, and all of the moving pieces. It might be better to do late in the week. We'll see how that shakes out. Anyway, guys, appreciate your time. Appreciate Jake Trotter coming on this show. And, you know, what we always close with, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.